Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And obviously that's a lifelong thing. I'll never be sort of fully better, but man, I am no longer the single biggest issue in my kids and my wife's life. Hey everyone, welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. Question. How do you go from being a dad who thinks their family would be better off without you even around to creating a business that grows and encourages dads? Only Kurt Storing from Dad Work can answer that one. But first, hey, attempters, happy spring and what feels like early summer here in Georgia. We're up in the 80s, y'all. You know what I mean? How are you guys doing? I can't believe that in just a few short weeks, school is going to be out. Kids will be home full time. Of course, Ellis is going to be finishing up third grade. End of May, she gets out. When we lived in Brooklyn, it wasn't until the end of June, but they also started later. So I'm not sure where you're coming from, but that's what we're working with. Loic has been Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 to 12, this little like mom's day out kind of thing, which has been amazing for us to be able to get stuff done and also equally amazing for him to socialize and, and learn that hitting is not the answer. We've got camps scheduled. We've got road trips. We're trying to figure out how we're going to fit work in when we can. I don't know if you guys are in that same boat. And that last one actually brings a lot of stress to me and to Kirsten as well, but mostly me because I'm more of a stressor than she is. And I, well, actually, I guess all those bring stress. How many times have you said, guys, we need to finish packing and hit the road to beat traffic? <laughs> probably a lot. And I bet a lot less times it's actually happened. So, oh, you know what? Actually, let me drop this for you. A little dad hack for you on that one. This is how I stay mentally sane when we travel. I just figure out whatever Google says that the time is to the destination. Then I add 50% more time. So let's say it's a four hour trip to grandma's house for a single adult in a vehicle. Well, now that's six hours with a family of four. It just, it makes things so much more mentally stable. Uh, I'm able to handle how long it takes to leave, how many times we stop. I'm not worried about traffic. Yeah, you guys want to say we need to stop, get a snack? Sure, let's get a snack. It's six hours. You know what I mean? Like that's in my brain. But if I know it's four, it's like I'm locked in on that number and we're peeing out the window and we're mid-air refueling, you know what I mean? Siphoning gas from a car in front of us. It's not a pretty picture. So do it this way. Everyone wins. Also, by the way, if you have any other travel hacks, because we're going to be doing a lot of that this summer, please DM me on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. I'd love to share those with the whole community because we can all use a little extra support. Anyway, excited to have Kurt Storing on the show. Side note, he is Canadian, so don't adjust your digital audio player just because you hear an accent. That's that's him. That's That's not you. He is really excited, focused, empowered on helping men finding ways to have peace in our fathering. He uses meditation, relaxation, tips like waking up early to have some quiet time to think, etc. And he's ideally positioned to talk about moving from frustration with your kids or anger in your marriage or whatever and impatience to a place of stability. He'll admit he's not perfect and clearly none of us are, but he's so much better. And I loved talking with him because I feel like with this summer coming up, I'm going to need some reminders as to like how to just like woosaw and remind myself this is not forever. This is just a moment, whether it's a, you know, a, a teenager that you have in the car who's like, you know, you're, you're a killer of love. Why can't I play with my friends? Why can't I go with my boyfriend to the beach? Whatever. Or you've got younger kids and you're like, I can't believe we're changing another diaper in the car. This is crazy. He kind of gets into the, the global perspective of that. And he talks about his business, dad work, and how it came from a time when he was literally ready to Google how to kill yourself. Because in his words, he was going to leave his family in better hands without him. I, wow. I, when he told me that, I was like, what? Like, took my breath away. I was like, what? Thankfully, I've never gotten to that place. But of course, we've all had hard times, right? Of stress, needing to walk away from a situation before we say or do something that we're going to regret later. He and I both uh, at least connected on that. So maybe you do as well. We start with a little bit of background on his family, how he got married young. He lived in Thailand with his kids. They moved there. It's like, yeah, why not? Uh, for a couple of years. And then he really kind of warms up into how dads can kind of uh, grow and and why we need to, especially if you're a dad, you think, ah, oh, I guess this is just the way it is. It is what it is. I'm frustrated. 
Things aren't going great. And and he's not like a self-help guru, like some 26-year-old standing in front of a Ferrari taking up your Instagram feed. Okay, we all know that guy. And I'm like, you don't know life, bro. You don't, you're 26. What do you have to prove? What do you have to show me that is gonna connect with who I am? So I love that where he comes from, he is a dad. He's got kids. He was at a place where he thought it was just like, it's gonna be crap. I guess I'll just get through it. And then one day he was kind of like, but what if? And he did a bunch of research. And so we will be privy to at least some of that. He's got series and he's got uh, like meetup sessions and all this kind of stuff. So I really encourage you to find him, dad, work, all kinds of good stuff. But enough of me talking. Let's find out how Kurt Storing is attempting fatherhood. Let's get things kicked off. Kurt, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I've known you all of, I don't know, 30 seconds so far, uh, but I did a little bit of digging on your site. I was looking at site. First off, good looking dude. Great hair. Your site <laughs> looks like it's like a model's landing page. It's just a single shot of you. So emotive and yet contemplative. And then it's like, by the way, I'm doing these things. Click below. I was like, this guy's up to some big stuff. Yeah, this is how they roll in Canada. That's right. That's everyone rolls like that. Everyone's got their own personal landing page. I was really interested in in what you're about from like clearly your passion for dads goes beyond just like, yeah, man, like I like to high five dads when I see them. That's a great thing. All dads need that too. But yours is like becoming a bit of your actual work. I mean, for me, this is kind of like a side thing that I do to get to talk to dads, but this is your full-time gig or it's at least part of it, like a big chunk of that. So tell me about how like you're a professional dad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, well, yeah, thank you for all that. I appreciate that. And obviously my ego loves uh, exactly everything you said there. Yes. And, um, yes. and that's why we do it, obviously. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> clearly, but, I mean, my story is basically like I was just such a bad father for the first few years. And it was really, it felt like it was ruining every day of my life, not having children, but the way I interacted with them. And Ooh. it took me quite a while to figure out that there was another way to do things. And this led me to, uh, you could call it all sorts of things, a path of self-discovery, an inner journey, inner work, self-healing, whatever you want to call it. And I figured out that there was a lot of unresolved stuff in my heart, in my psyche that needed to be resolved basically so that I could show up for my kids without being triggered. And it all led to a successful journey. And obviously that's a lifelong thing. I'll never be sort of fully better, but man, I am no longer the single biggest issue in my kids and my wife's life. And so in wow. having gone through that journey, I came to a point where I was like, I think I could talk about this. And I think I want to help people because I thought it was hopeless. Like there was a really, there was a number of really dark parts of my journey where I was like, there is no hope. There's no point for this. And all I can hope to do is just like maybe get through one more day. And I just wow. felt compelled to share these things because I see a lot of sort of self-help people out there. They're typically single. They're typically like, oh, if you just have an eight hour morning routine, things will be fine. And it's like, right, you know, right. dads don't get that. And the only thing I saw with dads was like, hey, dad, keep your chin up. Just do better, man. And it's like, look, as a, as a dad, you're first of all a human being. That means you've potentially yeah. got wounds, traumas, social conditioning, whatever that might be impacting how you show up in the world. And I thought, okay, let's marry these two things because I searched high and low and spent like way too much money and way too many hours <laughs> reading and going to courses and getting coaching and all the rest of it. And I sort of pieced together all these different things that helped me and a lot of things that didn't. So what I want to do now is like try and give a space or a container for dads to work in to maybe go through a similar sort of journey that I went through. And I see becoming a better dad as starting with becoming a better man. And that's just self-work. That's discovery. That's healing. That's being in a community of men. That's all the things that I've used. And so that's where it got to today. And it just so happens that people seem to be resonating with it. Um, we've got men's groups. We're launching a community. We've got all that kind of stuff. So the so-called professional part just sort of happened. And what are you what, what were you before this in terms of like income and according to the, you know, whatever the Canadian IRS is? Yeah. So I, uh, I have had uh, my own business for the last 10 years. It has been everything from mainly, uh, income producing websites. So I would build or buy websites that earned affiliate income or advertising income, uh, rank them on Google with SEO. And I even owned a number of physical product companies like a beard care company. We had 
brushes and beard oils and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've just, it's always been online entrepreneurship. And uh, okay. yeah, that's the my, that's my so-called trade, if you will. Yeah, well, that's quite a trade. I mean, it's like, that's the equivalent of, of having like a, uh, you know, like a, a business degree now coming out of college. Like online tradesmanship could be anything and that's the beauty of it. Um, well, let's get your dad's stats. Uh, you had mentioned that you were the kind of the weakest link in your family's experience. Uh, what what are your dad's stats in terms of uh, married, not married, kids, ages, all that? Yeah, so I have been married for 10 years uh, in 13 days. So that's coming up real soon. Woo-hoo, coming up. Yep. Coming up. And we have three boys, nine years old, seven years old, and two years old. Just a second ago, you were talking about kind of how this whole thing came up. Was there a moment? Was there a a thing like you found yourself just like screaming at your kid and you were like, wait a sec. Like, was there a breaking point that you looked at or was it just kind of gradual? Like you look back and you're like, I'm not the guy I thought I wanted to be. Or or I'm just curious how people make those changes and shifts. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was acute, but it was acute every single day for years. It was like, oh no, this is terrible. What do I do? Why am I acting like this? But I was literally so ignorant to the possibilities. I was like, guess this is life. And so, yes, I noticed it along the way. And that's perhaps why it was more of a struggle for me because I was like, oh man, every day I have to live with this. What is the point? And the the trigger for change, I suppose, is the most impactful part for me in this is that I started meditating for business reasons. (laughs) I heard someone say, you know, I'm more productive in my business now. And I was like, yes, let's become more productive. Yes, 100%. So I downloaded this app. I was like, super woo woo, whatever. I'm just going to get after it. I started meditating (laughs) and like 10 days in, I'm like, oh, this kind of feels good. Interesting. My son comes around the corner. I can just remember being at the couch, comes around the corner. And I wish I could remember exactly what it was because it would make a better story. Maybe I'll just make it up one day. But he like he threw something or he yelled at me, something that like was in my space. And normally I would have just screamed at him. Like, that's just how I operated. I was mean, I was scary, I was big, I was angry, and I didn't. And I caught myself, but the internal bells started going like, oh my goodness, I think you stumbled across something because you have literally never been able to hold yourself off when you wanted to scream at him before. And so it was like this massive green light going off in my head, and I just went down that rabbit hole further and further and further, and it led me to everything I, I ended up doing. So yeah, it was like meditation for business changed my life as a family, as a father. <laughs> I love the fallout of that. What, what was the meditation? Was it just like breathing exercises? Was it like, you know, envision your life? I mean, there's there's so many different types of meditations. And especially if this was more f- toward business, I'm curious kind of what that what looked like for you those first 10 days. Yeah, you know what? It was straight up headspace. It was just a Headspace app, okay. and I downloaded that. I yeah. used that for a number of years. Lately, I've been using the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. Uh, I've I've started recording meditations because that's how impactful it's been on me. I use Insight Timer. Um, I, I've tried like. I don't even know, probably like 20 different styles of meditation, but it all started with very simple body scans and watch your breathing and count to 10. Like that's how basic it was. And it, it just, it that's did That's very something. Daniel Tiger of you. <laughs> count down to calm down. Mostly for me, mostly for me, but also my kids. Yeah, we just pretend that the, we just pretend those shows are for the kids and they're really for us. I know, I'm back there taking notes. Like, oh, so five, four, three, okay. <laughs> to hug yourself and then let it go. Let it go. Okay, yeah. great. I'll do that next time. 100%. Are, are you paying attention, son? <laughs> yeah, you should, <clears throat> you paying attention. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. I, uh, I'm curious kind of like where your fathering came from. I always like to, to talk to my guests about, their own journey of fatherhood and how that's been informed by their own dads. Um, so I'm curious, you know, kind of from your own childhood, what is something that your dad did that you loved? If, if he was around, uh, we've had plenty of dads whose dads weren't around. Uh, and then something that maybe you're letting go of. And it, it could be that attitude that you were talking about before. It could be something else. I don't know. But I always like the, what, what have you learned from your dad that you're keeping and what are you letting go? Yeah, this is a, an excellent process for I think any man to go through. And in fact, we do stuff like this in men's group, where it's like you get to tell your dad's story and then be like, here's where I'm like him, here's where I'm not. And for me, oh, the positive aspects are mostly his humor and lightness and silliness. And so I bring 
as much of that into the house as possible. Uh, and like, man, like movie quotes, like all sorts of stuff and just being like, basically the stuff that my wife rolls her eyes at. Like that's me. It makes the kids laugh. We're all, we're all, right. you know, the boys dad and men. jokes, that whole world. Oh, dude, yeah. I have my kids trying to out dad joke me. I'm like, son, yes. don't even try. <laughs> so I am a master Shaolin. Yeah. And I look, I learned from the best. So I really appreciate that about my dad. He was also physically available. And I mean, I work from home on purpose. Um, I'm able to be with them literally whenever. And it's hard for me because I don't always want to, to be straight up, uh, but but I can. And what I am letting go of is his emotional unavailability and his need Mm -hmm. for ever greater um, physical and financial success. And so he, Ooh, he was always there and he was always fun, but there was very little active teaching. There was very little active emotional engagement and I never saw him have friends. He was married like four different times. And so it was very much trading up for bigger and better homes, jobs, cars, to let wives, go of the need, all those sorts of things. So I'm trying to get, let go of get the better need externally to continue um, and focus get, more on get being better emotionally there um, and focus more on being emotionally like there or, for my kids, know, regardless wise. of what that looks like income wise or, you know, property wise. And, and so you would see him kind of try to climb a ladder like the, this this isn't working so I'm, I'm out as far as the marriage goes and, and I need to prove my worth through a bigger house or a nicer car or whatever that type of kind of concept yeah it was it was a I almost saw which is it. very human by the way like, super like no no dish I think everyone encounters that just some people it's a little bit more obvious I think yeah yeah and, and when I look back my perception of it was not so much chasing something although perhaps that was you know chasing the elusive good enough and I think that's a very right. important question that we need to ask as fathers especially to sons can we answer our child's question that am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And John Eldridge talks about that in his book, Wild at Heart. But I saw it as my dad running from something, always running from fear of the past. And maybe it is that same question, not being good enough. They can't see me if I got a new job. They'll never see me if I've got a new wife. I can't get too deep with anyone. Uh, Like I never stayed in a school for more than I think like two years and never stayed in like one city for more than two years because he was like new job, new job, new job, new job. When he was, he was moving. You weren't just talking about like transferring jobs. It was like totally reboot life. Three provinces, three provinces, like probably 20 cities. It was wild. That is that is wild. That is really really amazing. Did you have siblings that that experienced this too, or was this just you? Yeah, I've got a younger sister. She's three years younger than me, and my dad ended up having two, uh, which would be my half sisters now. When I was like eighteen or nineteen, uh, so okay. they didn't experience it quite so much. Although they did move with him a couple times, uh, classically, yeah. and yeah, it was me and my sister for the most part. Then in that in that mix, uh, you decide I'm going to get married. Right. So 10, 10 years ago. So when you get married, was there any thought of like, screw him? I'm not like him. That'll never happen. Or, you know, a lot, a lot of people who go through, my parents are still together, but a lot of other people who's, who aren't, there's this kind of like unconscious thought of like, I'm going to repeat the sins of, you know, what, what I experienced. Or were you like, never, I shall stay forever. Like how did, how do you take that multiple marriages, multiple moving, multiple kids, all this, and bring that into, you know, when you meet your wife and you're like, yeah, let's start having kids. Yeah, I was very much the rejection of what I experienced. I said, you know, we we both come from so-called broken families or marriages that didn't work. And we were both very intentional about like, we are going to make this work and we are going to be, you know, basically the, the chain breakers of intergenerational trauma or whatever you want to call it. Like we are going to do this. And I don't know what gave us the gall to be like, oh yeah, we're going to be the ones. Like we, we knew nothing. We we got it. That's on us guys. We're good. Yeah. Imagine we're like 22, 23 years old, never done any like (laughs) internal work. Just like thought we were super smart, thought we knew everything. And thank goodness it worked out. I don't know how it worked out, but man, there's a lot of intentional work that went into that. But it was like, yeah, we are going to give our kids the gift that I don't even know what it looks like. I don't know anybody that has gone through a family that didn't have at least a separation if not a full-on divorce and so like imagine that must be like it it looked in my mind like opening this beautiful present like imagine i don't even know what's in this amazing box but i'm going to give it to my kids and so that was my attitude going in like i'm going to make this work no matter what and it was like 
<laughs> no thanks to me did it work out in the beginning for sure but uh but we ended up figuring it out and then when you did, did you begin the conversation of like let's have kids or was that just kind of a natural evolution through like you know we're married and oh look at that we're pregnant okay let's just keep moving forward yeah well interestingly i think we were quite influenced by our environment at this point we had a number of older friends who were in their later 20s and early 30s and they were all having kids and so our right. initial thought was well you get married and you have kids like that's just our, sure. our parents both had children very young we got married at 23 and we're like look we're just gonna oh, have wow. kids as soon as possible and we'd probably like four of them and that's what we just we thought naively right so yeah, we very intentionally, um, my wife got pregnant like two months after we were married and that was intentional. And we were so excited because we had seen these friends of ours who were telling us like, oh, this is so wonderful and it's going to be so good. And it's kids are so important. And like, I just like looking back, I probably just wanted to like fit in and, and get going because I also didn't want the experience that my father had with his second or his second or fourth, depending on how you look at a family right, right, going like right. he's going to be ancient when they graduate, you know, like yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. do that. So I, I decided right. to front load my responsibility. And uh, that <laughs> way, you know, by the time I'm 40 or 50, like, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, plenty of years left to support my children when they're adults. Um, right. You know, in a way that I wouldn't have been able to if I was older. And then was there this, was there a massive change of like, you're seeing everyone around you having kids, especially if their kids are a little older and those parents tend to forget, myself included, about what can be really tough in those early days. And you're like, they have kids and they love kids. You're gonna be such a good dad and your wife's gonna be such a great mom and all this and then you have a kid. Was there a disconnect of your actual experience? Like, this is terrible, this is hard, this is, you know, all these things I wish people had been more honest with me. Man, okay, so here's what happened when we had kids. We were like, oh, here's a good idea, here's a great idea. Instead of staying here where we live in Calgary in Canada, uh, with all these friends who just had kids, we're going to move back to where I come from in Vancouver to be closer to family. And suddenly there's this huge disconnect between our friends telling us one thing and then being like, uh -huh. hey fam, we're back. And you know, my, my wife's parents had just moved back here. My mom was here. My grandparents were here. So we traded friends for family. And that was like probably an, a big thing. Uh, we probably would have liked different support than we received from family. That's neither here nor there really, but of absolutely, Fair man, enough. when it, when it happened, when my son was born, I remember very clearly the moment I first saw him. And I remember very clearly it not being monumental. I was like, I thought this was supposed to be the best day of my life. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I literally yes. don't feel anything right now. And that scared yes. me. It really scared me. I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? I totally resonate with that. That's yeah. yeah. And, and then then what's wrong with me? I'm broken because everybody told me it's supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going through it and it's not. So something must be wrong with me. And that's so isolating on top of just the reality of now we got to keep this thing alive and my yeah. life's totally changed. And then you guys moved. You moved on top of that. <laughs> we also quit our jobs. We started crazy. a new business. Well, yeah, it was crazy. What? I don't know why. <laughs> you, clearly you didn't ask anyone. Clearly you were just not. like, you down for this? There's a, no research. If we research it, we know people will say no. And oh, so we're just going to bounce. That's so funny that you say that. We did the same thing. We actually spent two years living in Thailand uh, when the boys were like three and one years old. And we lived there for two years, uh, traveled a little bit, went to Eastern Europe for a bit. And um, it was the same sort of thing. We didn't ask anybody. <laughs> we just told them like, hey, guys, we're moving to Thailand. They're like, excuse me? And so we... Yeah, can you come feed the dogs? <laughs> we're going to be gone for two years yeah. <laughs> to Thailand. Yeah, so it was one of those things that uh, we have since learned people don't typically take too well when they care about you and so we learned that mm. the hard way uh, both in just like doing whatever we were going to do moving here and then moving back to Th or moving to Thailand uh, a few years ago so that is an interesting thing to pick up on is just like oh yeah we had to learn it's actually better to be in communication that there's so much value in that but at, you know the other side of that too is I don't know if you've if experienced this but like the more people you ask the the more differing opinions you're going to get and so sometimes that's confusing to everything from like here's the baby's name and someone's like i wouldn't go with that one to uh hey we're gonna you know we're gonna move to this place or we're gonna start a new business or we everybody's gonna have an opinion and they're entitled to it but that gets really confusing as the decision maker if you're act out there asking a lot of people yeah and i think our problem was we didn't necessarily trust 
what we were going to get back from the people who we could have asked. And so we just yeah. thought, you know, in our what's the point in our confidence and our naivety or our ignorance, it was like, yeah, wh why? What could we possibly gain when we don't necessarily think these are believable sources to ask in the first place? So we're just going to do what we want. It'd be like me asking my daughter for investment advice in the stock market. Precisely. It's like, I can't really trust what she's going to say anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform and to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. Now, a lot of people, of course, face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the reality is the more freeing solution is to find what works for you, right? That's what attempting fatherhood is all about. What works for you? Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible. It focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward a goal at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge one-on-one -on -one coaching, which obviously is extremely helpful, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. Listen to this. 75% of Noom weight users finished the program, and more than 60% of the users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. That's a big deal. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash Believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash Believe, B-L-E-A-V. All right, back to the show. All right, so three kids in now, first kid. When when did that shift happen for you? It wasn't until all three kids in terms of like, I need, like this sucks times three. It, it was between the second and the third. So like okay. re pretty okay. close after the second one was born, that's when I started meditating. That's when that thing happened where I caught myself okay. and I yep. went yep. deep into that and I spent like years doing a lot of work, like really getting yeah. a lot of crutches as I would call them in my life. So I didn't scream so much. So I didn't feel so bad. And there was a point in there through men's work, through community, through a lot of like somatic work with breath work and meditating and whatnot, that things like flipped in a sense. I finally felt like I wasn't ba uh, bashing my head against the wall. I had finally like went to bash my head again and there was no wall. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Mm. Like things are, I don't know uh, what it was. Way to say it. And I don't, like I have this hard time telling this because I really don't want people to go like, oh, he just like, he's bypassing here. Clearly you can't just like get better. Maybe he thinks like he's, mm. he's good now. Like I'm not saying that I've got my stuff sorted out. I'm saying that I have it way more sorted out than I once did. And it shows in the way that I show up. It shows in that my triggers are like 95% less frequent and significantly less intense. And it shows in the way that I love my wife. It shows in the way that I treat my children. And so what I really enjoy seeing is the, the difference in how my youngest son and my other ones act, react, and how I treat them. And it's it's sad in a sense, because I go like, oh man, I could have done such a better job with the first two. But in the in the latter case, my, my sort of youngest son, I go, oh my goodness, this is so clear that I actually did get better because the secure att attachment that we have with one another, the gentleness with which we parent him, like just everything is easier. Everything is yeah. more loving. Everything is more heart opening. And it's so clear in my mind that this is real, that this work is durable yeah. and will last because of those differences in, in just behavior and actions that we see in the kids. I think it can be, I'm sure this happens for you because of it's literally your job, but it can be so frustrating and, and I, you know, I don't nail it. I'm attempting fatherhood. That's the whole point here. Right. But it can be so frustrating when you hear other people feeling frustrated, feeling like they're at their end of their rope feeling like there's nowhere else to go or like this is just the way it has to be. And you want to say it doesn't though. And and everybody's situation is unique and different, right? Their, their kid could have special needs. They could have a weird job situation. There could be, um, you know, uh, finances, all, all these different things that, that can bring in stressors and changes and, variab and variables. 
But the person that's just kind of like, it is what it is, I think it's just a human coping mechanism. And sometimes it takes someone from the outside to say, but it doesn't. But I've tried that before and it's not received well. So how do you go about doing that? I mean, clearly it's your job. So, you know, maybe people are, are more willing to listen to you. I, I'm my daughter with the stock market versus, you know, you. But, you know, how, how do you go about telling a dad, like, it doesn't have to be this bad, essentially, or this tough? Not bad, that's not right, but it doesn't have to be this tough. And you can really enjoy what you're doing and really participate and not just get through it. Yeah, and so for me, it is I just share my story. Like I, I really try to differentiate myself by saying like, I do not necessarily know what I'm doing. I do not know what I'm doing in your life, especially yeah. here's what works yeah, I'm not for me. your expert. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that I see it is, um, I've really struggled with this because like, how am I supposed to make this my business when I want this work for everyone in the world? I literally think that if we gave this to every single man, the world would be like the most peaceful, empathetic, loving, respectful place. And I think it all starts with dads because we then impact the next generation. So what I see myself as is a man holding a candle in a cave. (laughs) And if you are lost in the cave and you see the candle and if it looks inviting to you, please come and join me and you know, we'll work together. I'll hold space for you and I'll just share what worked and what I've seen work and the other guys I've worked with. And if you don't like the glow of my candle, if you think it's offensive, if you hate the color, then please bypass the candle because it's not the right one for go you. Go right past it yeah, like or I, go away from it. I don't whatever. have the answers. Yeah, that's a good way to say I don't have the answers at all, but I have figured out my life. And I know from yeah. men's work sitting in circles long enough that there are enough men who will resonate with me because I resonate with so many other men and go like, oh, I'm not alone. I see myself in you. Maybe I can learn something from you. That's all I hope. It's just like, if you see the candle and you want to join me, come on by. Otherwise, you know, just don't blow it out on the way by, but, but leave me alone, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. No, no, no worries. I'm not handing you the candle. Do you ever get, do you ever get pushback from like, uh, you know, kids at school, you know, you show up to an event and the mom's like, Oh my gosh, he's such a good dad. And then that dad's like, yeah, he's a professional dad. It's his job. Okay. Like you ever get any kind of like weird pushback like that? Oh dude, I I have not yet, but I can't wait for the day that I do. I would love to navigate that because it's so weird even telling people what this is. And I've literally never thought about it as a professional dad because I am not, not a professional dad, but uh, I can't wait because I, I was even telling, getting a haircut the other day, she's like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh my goodness, where do I even begin? Here we go. You know, it, it was go. just like, it was hard to even say to her. And that's, this was part yeah. of my work, you know, like part of my journey now is how do I respectfully and responsibly step into mm. a leadership role in a sense. And it's not one that I'm like, oh, I want to be a guru. It's like, I can help and I have to take that responsibility. So this is all new for me as well. And I'm going to screw up along the way. So yeah, I, I haven't had that yet, but man, I, I can't wait because I'm sure that'll trigger the hell out of me. <laughs> That'll be fantastic. And you'll be like, thank you for this moment. I've been waiting for one of these for a while. Yep. I need to go call Bradley and let <laughs> exactly. him know it is officially happening. Yep. Um, well, how has fatherhood changed for you? I mean, clearly you talked about, you know, you're more at peace, you're more involved. I think the biggest difference is expectation. And so much mm-hmm. of where we struggle is our own crushing expectations and the judgments we place on ourselves. And so even though I knew absolutely nothing about parenting when I became a dad, uh, my internal talk to myself was one based in perfectionism. If you screw up, you're a loser. If you do something wrong, everyone will hate you. You have to be perfect. And obviously, being so far from perfect, I spent most of my time in like shame spirals, just thinking that I was no good. And so now, I think I found the grace of self-forgiveness and just been allowed to screw up and forgive myself for where I went wrong because I was doing my best and I'm still doing my best. And now, rather than thinking I need to get better because I am broken, I go, I think I can get better because I have potential. And so when I screw up, I apologize. I repair the ruptures. I try I try and keep like a one-to-one 
you know, rupture to repair ratio now. And I I no longer have the expectation that like, if you screw up, you have to punish yourself because that took up so much of the time that I could otherwise have been spending with the kids. And so it's much, yeah, it's still hard for me. I won't, I won't lie. Like being a dad, sometimes I love to work and not in like, I, yeah. I don't think in a workaholic sort of sense. I just love pursuing my purpose, my passion. And I'm so grateful that I get to do what I love. And I'm sometimes like, do I want to play another Pokemon card game? Like, nah, man, not today. No, and the answer is not, no, not remotely. Clearly. And so I struggle with that sort of thing still, but at least I can see that it's okay to feel like that. I can like self validate and then share that with the kids. And so rather than everything being this like existential crisis of, wow, you screwed up, you're an idiot. Same with the kids. Like my internal talk was a talk I spoke to them, which is really messed up. Um, But I don't condemn myself or them when we screw up. And that's probably been the biggest thing. That's that's so powerful. You know, we actually, um, I noticed in my daughter, a perfectionistic nature that I didn't fully accept in myself. I thought I was more mature than that. And my wife, uh, who is who's really leads on so many levels in terms of emotional intelligence and, and EQ or whatever that would be, um, kind of pointed out like, uh, we're really seeing some frustration with Ellis when it comes to drawing, right? She'd be drawing, mess it up and, it, and throw it down. And, and she was four, this was in New York. So she was like four. And we started thinking about this and I started thinking through the concept of perfect. I think I was at church and someone said something about perfect and I, you know, and and then you hear it in songs and all this. And we were like, wait a second, there is no perfect. By the time you land on perfect, it's changed, it's moved. And so we literally took the word perfect out of our vocabulary at home. We can't even say it's a perfect day. We can't say that's a perfect outfit to wear to the whatever. My hope is my, my perfectionism was kind of self-created and I don't really, I didn't see it in my parents, but I think there was a thought of like, if I do it right, one plus one will equal two. I will be successful. I will be financially, whatever, you know, all these different things. And, and that meant I had to stay in the straight and narrow and I had to be perfect. I had to be exact, I had to be precise because otherwise it's lazy or it's weak or it's, you know, that type of thing. And, and I think it's you, you as someone who's done a lot of work, I, I was in therapy. One of the greatest things I ever did when I was in LA for about three and a half years. And then we did premarital counseling and that was so vital to really the, the success I feel like of our marriage. But um, that level, <clears throat> excuse me, of being perfect was something that I just didn't know. And, and I'm passing that on without even knowing it. And that lacking that self-awareness, all of a sudden, you know, we look at our kids sometimes and we're like, why does he have such an attitude all the time? And it's like, guess where it comes from? Like, yes, there's nature and nurture. So you're in there somewhere. And sometimes you're just not aware of it. So for me too, I, I resonate with that concept of perfection. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said in there that I want to pick up on is awareness. Because uh, the meditation wasn't that I was meditating. Like you can do what practice you could like do yoga you could stretch you could walk you could breathe you could journal you could pray you can do literally anything but the idea is to become more aware and to notice better what is true and what is existing in you and in the external world and so when we as fathers can become more attuned to what's going on it becomes much easier to notice what we are doing intentionally versus inertia And I talked on my podcast Mm. to a guy named Dominic Cortuccio who talks about drift coming from Napoleon Hill, saying that when you are not paying attention to your life, which I think he says like 95% of what we do in life is just inertia, because how could you use the intellectual uh, capital to do every single thing you needed to do? Like, oh, uh, how do I put my pants on? Let me think about that. Oh, how do I merge into traffic? Let me think about that. You just do it. And at some point you have to stop and be able to ask yourself, which one of these things is good inertia and which one of these things is actually not the best? Where am I out of alignment with my values? And that's what like all this work is about for me is clearing away all the junk of my inertia, my expectations, my family systems, my traumas, my wounds, and getting to who I truly am and then noticing when I'm off track. And so can I notice when I am yelling at my kids because it's triggering me 
Or am I just like putting the blame onto them? Can I notice when like my wife is becoming more distant because I haven't loved her enough? Can I notice like mm. I need to say something because I'm building resentment? How deeply can you notice the physical feelings and sensations that show you where the emotional feelings are that can help you stay in alignment? Because I think, at least in my life, and I've heard a lot of people say this, like emotions are like the gauge, the dashboard to your life. And they tell you when something is off or on. And if you can just That's notice great. those well enough, then you can start to do something with them to become a better person, better husband, a better father. And so that's why I always recommend guys get a mindfulness practice to build awareness as like number one step in all of this. Well, I was going to follow up with what you kind of preempted a little bit too, which was just like, what is the first step for dads? You know, like I, I think a lot of times dads just don't even look, I, I'm, I am such a like yourself, I'm such a worker. Someone says, push this giant ball, you know, up the hill. I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to pay attention really. I'm just, I love being focused and going for that. So it's so easy for like you talked about, like that inertia. So easy for us as dads, unless something kind of bumps us out of it, or we have this like out of body experience or, you know, a loving spouse or someone says, Hey dude, like what's up? Do you seem really angry or you seem frustrated? Sometimes it's small things. Like my wife sometimes will be like, do you need to go for a run right now? would you like to get out of the house for a little bit? And I'm like, you know, my first instinct is no, I'm fine. And then I'm like, you know what I do for me, for me, if you're seeing that, then clearly I, I need to humble myself and say, yeah, I need to, I need to go for a walk. So what is that? It sounds like the first step is kind of that mindfulness, but how do you even get to that point? Like how, how do you go from your average dad just do, 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 do going through life to get to that? That's the million dollar question, man. That's uh, that's what I've that's what I've been struggling with as well, because it's like there are so many entry points to this work. There is the person who has no idea that they're struggling, no idea that they could be doing better. How do you be like, hey, man, why don't you do you notice anything that's off? Then there's the guy who sort of knows he's struggling, but has no idea why, doesn't know that there's anything to do. Then you've got the guy who knows he's struggling. Uh, knows why, but has no idea what to do. And then you've got the guy who knows he's struggling, knows why, knows what to do, but like, then he's got to do it. And then you got the guy like deep into the work. There's so many <laughs> entry points. And what we typically see is that guys don't start doing the work until um, they're hit by the proverbial Mack truck. And so everything that I'm doing is like, I'm really trying to call guys into this work when maybe it's a two by four across the head instead of getting hit by the you know emotional Mack truck where they hit rock bottom. Because guys right. typically come when they get a divorce, when they get separated, when like they've hit rock bottom, when they're in addiction. And so what I have found is that's actually only about maybe 20 to 30% of the guys who follow me or who join our groups. And the rest have just seen something I've posted and they've gone like, oh, I didn't know that was not normal. I didn't know I wasn't alone. I didn't know there was another way. And yes, so that's why like yes. all of this for me, I gotta be honest, I hate being seen. I hate being the face of this because it is so uncomfortable for me. And yet I know I need to because my story is one of hope. And so if I yeah. can give a little bit of hope to the guys who are like, oh, I didn't even know that that could be possible, then like, great, I'll talk all day and I'll take all the harassment and, you know, internet abuse and shame with people who don't like what I'm saying. Great. Thankfully, there's not a ton of that. But <laughs> I was going to say, like, what are the haters saying? Like, no, dads should continue to be disconnected. Like, I, what are people saying? So the interesting thing about this is it mostly comes down to what I perceive. And this is just the story I'm coming up with. Uh, of people having been so wounded in relationship that they don't trust that this could work or they don't trust me or they think like, oh yeah, but you don't know that people are untrustworthy. And so it often okay. comes up in my posts or emails about marriage or joining a men's group. Cause I often say like, um, you know, we, we went through premarital counseling as well. And the message was your spouse should be your number one human relationship. And that's been like our guiding North stars. Like we need to be on our own page first before the kids, before any of this. And I sometimes get feedback like, Oh, well, make sure you don't marry a narcissist or like, Oh, well, that's what they say before they take all your money. And it's like, dude, I'm so sorry that you got hurt like that. But it's not the end all be all. And that means that there's work for you to do, but it doesn't mean that this is yeah. wrong. Um, as well as like the power of joining community. I'm saying like dads, you need brothers, not bros. Yeah. You need men with yeah. whom you oh, can share good. life rather than guys yeah. who are like, hey man, how's the sports? Or like, hey, don't you wish we could be back in yeah. college? Like, no, dude, you, you need don't brothers, need brothers, not bros. That's brilliant. That's, that's some of your merch. 
that people should be buying. Brothers, not bros. Yeah, yeah. So guys just seem to have issues around trust and relationship. Ah, the power of community. It's huge. That's what started this podcast for me. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the power of community is is so vital. And that's the hope for this podcast. I know it's the hope for what you do as well, which is just essentially, hey, dad, you're not alone. And there there are, you know, for you specifically, talk to Kurt there. He's got str- strategies. He's got strategies, things that you can do to really move this forward. But the reality is just like, know that you're not alone, right? hundred percent. And that's one of the things I've started is um, doing a free men's group every month. And so on the last Friday of every month, we just invite guys who might not have heard of it. They might not be ready for it. They might not think that, you know, investing in their own personal development is worth it because they don't come from that. And man, it is incredible. Some of the guys we had last month, they're just like, I had no idea what I was signing up for. And like, I want so much more. And so I was like, okay, let's just create a text. So we got on like Telegram, created a channel. We just like started a group from that. And same with our our weekly men's groups, we have a very dedicated channel text-wise and we just check in and we just go like, hey guys, this is what's happening. Like, can you please support me? Can I get some feedback? What do you think of this? Or like here, just share a win. When was the last time you were able to like shame-free share a win and have guys like, yes, amazing, man. Rather than being like, who is this guy over here? Like, oh, don't, you know, go pat your own back, bro. But these are like genuinely supportive, have your back brothers and we've only been meeting in some of these groups for like a month and it's insane the power of connection what they can do and the guys are just like so grateful and i'm so grateful to be in there with them because i'm getting it right back i am being supported from these men and it's like that's what i want in my life and so i create it and these guys come and oh if i knew about this 10 years ago would have been a different life and i'm just i'm glad that it's all led to here but man I'm, i'm so excited to be able to do this now well, lest our listeners think that uh, you are the perfect dad, what is what is a thing in your fathering that you uh, find that you really are the weakest at or something that you are so consciously trying to adjust and shift? Because I don't want dads to be like, oh man, like this guy's done all this work and he's done this. So now he's gotten to this like yeah. upper level of like, you know, like love in every moment of fatherhood. And you mentioned like, sometimes I just don't want to play Pokemon, but is there something else kind of in, in your fathering that... Uh, that can humanize your experience with, with all these guys struggling too. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad you asked that. Um, like for me still, the biggest thing is uh, a propensity to anger quickly and impatience mm. and a, a desire Maybe not a desire, but like a, again, a propensity to treat my children like they're adults. And there is a really wonderful, poem, short story, something called Father Forgets that I've been passing around in the men's groups. And it talks about how this father trying to treat his son like a man to to make sure he doesn't get hurt, to grow up as a solid, strong man with great virtues ends up hurting him anyway, because he's actually a boy. And so my over reach sometimes my quickness to anger my impatience has me disconnected from them more often than i would like and while it is less significant than it used to be it still comes up at least a few times a week and it it sucks because i'm still like even two nights ago you know the the kids were at each other in bed and i was like just get into your own beds you will read stories and then you know instead of just saying like hey can you get off my bed there, you know, a foot comes out, fly and kick, and it's like, oh my goodness, instead of just talking, here you are starting a fight. And so I see that as this huge trigger in me. And I, instead of being like, oh, I see you were kicked. Uh, How does that make you feel? Let's talk about that. Hey, I'm not going to let you kick and do all like the right mindful parenting stuff. I'm just like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Get out of there. I can't believe you do this. How dare you? And then I catch myself and it's like, oh man, there's still so much to do. And there's so much repair to do. And I guess that's like, maybe that's the hope. Like, yes, you get to screw up maybe just as much, but man, it takes like, minutes instead of days to come back from it um usually usually so uh, yeah for me anger is still the biggest thing man i love that i think we all have that to some degree uh within us i didn't even know i had it until i had kids and i was like oh wow yeah i've got i got some anger in me uh we need to need to talk that through need to figure that one out well as we wrap it up here man uh leave us leave our dads with some dad advice something that uh that can encourage our our dads out there and um keep them going 
Uh, I will say maybe two things. One is I am so serious about the uh, mindfulness stuff. If you can get mm. out of your head and into your body more often, move, exercise, breathe, meditate, it will make everything better. And even with my anger, for example, I can now see it coming a mile away rather than being so numb to my body that I don't see it until I'm already screaming. It's like, oh, I can notice, I can do some practices, I can breathe, I can go away, I can do all these things to not make it blow up. Uh, and the other thing is just like, there's always hope. Like I was at the door of Googling ways to kill myself because I wow. thought I was so bad for my family that they would be better off without me. Okay, so wow. I'm not talking about like, oh, I kind of yelled at them once in a while. I was kind of bad. Like, no, I was brutal. I was so bad at parenting and so bad at being self-compassionate and loving that I was at that door and it was some grace that had me go like, well, just try one more day. Like, who knows? I'm, I'm perpetually optimistic and just optimistic enough to have got through another day, which was wonderful because man, that would have been a huge mistake. And so I just, I only share that as a message of hope because if I can get from there like I know you're listening if you you know are really struggling right now you probably feel like you're worse off than I was I get it but it's never worth doing something like that because your kids no matter how bad you think you are what they need is you and they need you to get better and they need you to feel better and they need you to be present they need you to love yourself and all of these things are possible and I would not have said that five six seven years ago before I saw it happen in my life so I just want to leave like a hopeful message before we end that no matter where you're at, you can always get and feel better and it's never too late. That's what I thought too. I was like, ah, oh, there's no point. My kids are past the five-year-old age limit where they get all this like good stuff in their bodies and their nervous system. What's the point? Um, but there is a point. So don't give up. That's so good. You got me inspired, man. I'm like, ah, oh, I want to, I, I want to sit down and meditate for a little bit and calm myself. Uh, I've started adding uh, like 20 minutes or so of, of time in the morning, get up a little bit earlier before I start engaging. And that has made a big difference for myself. Just instead of like rolling out of bed and getting right to making breakfast for my daughter and cha helping change diaper. And, you know, my wife comes out and then start, you know, just the, the day begins. Um, so I love that, man. I appreciate your time so much, Kurt. This is amazing. You've inspired me. Hopefully the people listening as well. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you, Kurt, for attempting fatherhood. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and, and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.